Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Burn 30 support call. This call happens Monday through Friday at this time, which for me is 6.40 Pacific Time, 7.40 Mountain Time, 8.40 Central Time, and 9.40 Eastern Time. Thrilled to have you along with us. For those of you that do not know who I am, I'm Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon, welcoming you to the call. If you ever miss these calls, you can pick them up on an app called SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts by putting in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and TR90, or the solution, Solutions for the Digit 4 Anti-Aging, all pushed together. These calls are archived back more than 11 years. And as I said, I'm thrilled to have you along with us. If you are listening to this in as a podcast and you wish to catch us live, if you dial into 712-775-8972, you can join us. And when it prompts for the conference code, put in 910022, you can join us live. And we would be thrilled to have you with us. Always looking to support those people who are on the TR90 program. With that being said, that Tier 90 program when you're first starting out is a really good, clean, lean meal a day. Two shakes a day, 30 grams of protein at at least three of those meals. Protein part is really important. Uh, taking your supplement 15 to 20 minutes before a meal is best, but if you're not able to, take them with your meals. It will still work. It's just not quite as effective as it would have been if you'd been able to take it beforehand but it will still work. Um, had several times when I had to take it with my meal because I didn't know when my meal was happening. So um, there is that. Seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables every single day and the closer you can get them to what I call their original state, in other words, not highly processed, the better you are because that gives you macronutrients, it gives you micronutrients and fiber. Um, guys need about 45 grams of fiber for good digestive health. Ladies, we need about 32 grams of fiber for good digestive health. And that fiber also helps with satiety. So that is another key reason to make sure you're getting plenty of fruits and vegetables. And I like mine either fresh, lightly cooked. Um, they can be frozen, you know, individually fat slash frozen and then used, but the closer you can have them to their original state, when you get them, the, the better your fiber and macro and micronutrients are going to be. Drinking plenty of water to stay hydrated. The current thinking is at least one ounce of water for every two pounds you weigh. That will, um, that formula is kind of a baseline, if you will. If you're working out heavily or you're in a humid area, you'll need to increase that to offset what you're losing in body moisture. But in general, that's that's a good rule of thumb for minimum hydration. Making sure to get seven to nine hours of good quality sleep a night. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. Um, that sleep is really important because it really helps set your body up for making good decisions, it goes through a bunch of system resets while you're sleeping. 
and does a whole bunch of really marvelous things that are really important, hence why getting good sleep is really important. 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise at least five days a week. That exercise is part of this lifestyle program, and it is a lifestyle program. So it's something you do once and um, you're one and done and never come back to it. But the um, find something you really love to do, because that is a huge key in making sure that you can really stick with it. With that being said, today I'm sharing some information out of a book that's called Superfoods Health Style, Getting the Most Out of Life for the Rest of Your Life. It was written by Stephen G. Pratt, MD, and Kathy Matthews. And I am diving more into sleep and why we need it. So here we go. How much do you need? While we know that adequate sleep is crucial for optimum health, we don't know the precise amount of sleep to recommend for everyone. We do know that as we age over a lifespan, our need for sleep seems to change and diminish. In the first few days of life, our total sleep time is roughly 16 hours, falling to about 14 hours by the end of the first month. At six months of age, we're sleeping about 12 hours. This amount declines about 30 minutes per year through age five. By adolescence, we're sleeping from nine to 10 hours, and as adults, seven to eight hours. There are, of course, individual differences in needs for sleep and the ability to sleep. We know that women have a greater need for sleep than men. And on average, though they retire earlier than men and fall asleep faster, they report more time spent awake during the night and generally poorer quality of sleep. While not getting enough sleep is clearly associated with increased health risk, so is getting too much sleep. And, you know, just a reminder is you you really don't want to get too much because it can actually increase your health risk. Dr. Pratt actually recommends seven to eight hours of sleep each night, while some people may claim that they do well on less, even six hours of sleep a night does not prevent cumulative performance deficits. So if you're trying to lose weight while suffering from sleep deprivation, it's like walking up a down escalator. You may find yourself trying very hard and getting nowhere. 50% of drivers report driving while sleepy, and nearly 25% report falling asleep at the wheel, though not crashing. And approximately 5% of people have crashed while being drowsy. If you drive while sleep-deprived, you're facing a risk comparable to that of someone who drives with an illegal blood alcohol level. And healthcare's Healthcare professionals really should ask their patients in detail about their sleep habits and should stress the importance of getting adequate sleep for everyone. So we're going to jump into some things that might be disturbing your sleep. Sleep disordered breathing or sleep apnea is a condition that is estimated to affect 2 to 4% of middle-aged adults and even a higher percentage of older people. Approximately 30% of those who snore regularly may have sleep-disordered breathing. 
This condition is most often diagnosed in overweight men with a large neck circumference. Even mild sleep disordered breathing is related to an increased risk for hypertension, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and mortality. Obesity is a worldwide problem and is probably a cause of sleep disordered breathing, thus weight loss and prevention of weight gain offer the best hope of reducing the incidence of this disorder. If snoring is an issue for you, an evaluation to rule out sleep disordered breathing at a sleep clinic near you is a good step to take. And I would highly recommend that. My husband actually, we sent him in and they wouldn't even let him complete the sleep study that was overnight without putting a CPAP on him. So, um, and that helps with that sleep disordered breathing. So, and it made a huge difference. So I highly recommend doing that from a personal note. Insomnia is a special problem in the dark world of sleep deprivation. It's a condition affecting 9 to 19% of adults in the United States and Europe. The incidence of insomnia seems to increase with age and be more common in women than in men. In 1991, a Gallup survey found that, that insomnia had a direct impact on daily lives of one-third of American adults. Insomnia is generally described as the perception or complaint of inadequate or poor quality of sleep due to difficulty falling asleep, waking up during the night frequently with difficulty going back to sleep, and waking up early in the morning, or finally and generally unrefreshing sleep. Insomnia takes a toll similar to that <coughs> of sleep debt. <coughs> Excuse me. Sufferers feel tired, lack energy, and have trouble concentrating and are irritable. Insomnia, among 37 other variables, is the most predictive factor for absenteeism at work. As with sleep death, the long-term toll that insomnia takes on health can be serious. Chronic insomnia is associated with an increased risk for alcohol and drug abuse, anxiety, neurosis, personality disorders, as well as dependence on sedatives, depression, diminished life quality, and in the case of older adults, with cognitive disorders. Placement in long and placement in long-term care facilities. If you suffer from chronic or even occasional insomnia, um, and we'll be getting into this in a little bit, uh, maybe tomorrow, how to get a good night's sleep and follow the recommendations. In addition, to consult with your doctor to be sure that medical problems such as angina, chronic pain, congestive heart failure, chronic lung disorders, endocrine disorders, or prescriptions or over-the-counter medications are not contributing to your difficulty in falling asleep. And as a side note, only one in 20 patients sees a physician specifically about chronic insomnia, even though chronic sleep disturbance is associated with substantial health consequences, including hypertension, chronic lung disease, arthritis, chronic pain, or headaches, and diabetes. Untreated insomnia is a major risk factor for the development of psychiatric 
disorders, especially major depression, but also anxiety and substance abuse disorders. Many people think that insomnia is a function of aging. While it's true that some need less sleep as they age, it's also true that insomnia in the aged is often a function of increased rates of illness, medication usage, or other disorders, and the isolation and inactivity that is often seen in older adults. So now we're going to jump into um, what parents should be doing to help their little darlings sleep. Many of our kids are desperately in need of some sleep. Too often they're stressed both at school and at home with lots of demands on their time and little down time. Help your kids get a good night's sleep. Learning good sleep habits early on will pay off. One study found that just one hour of additional sleep restriction or an extension on boys and girls in the fourth or sixth grade had a considerable effect on the neurobehavioral functioning. Extension of sleep leads to improved memory function, alertness, and the study concluded that most children can extend their sleep with demonstrable benefits. This has obviously obvious implications for learning and school success. In another study on children and sleep habits, boys who had trouble sleeping as toddlers were more likely to become early users of alcohol and marijuana. Don't let this strike fear in your heart if your child is a poor sleeper. Other factors could well be at work in this study. It's worth noting that healthy sleep hygiene can promote a host of beneficial effects on children and that children suffer health consequences just as adults do when they suffer regular sleep deprivation. It's also significant to know that the REM, or rapid eye movement sleep, is important for learning. Children who are lacking sufficient REM will be at a disadvantage in the classroom. So here are some tips. For us, and many of them are good for babies and children as well, it's particularly important to establish a bedtime routine for your child. Many parents find that a post-dinner bath followed by reading and quiet time is a good prelude to restful night's sleep. Many soft drinks contain caffeine, which can have a disastrous effect on children's ability to sleep. Eliminate caffeinated beverage from your child's diet, at least in the afternoon hours. Sleepless babies are the bane of parents. We now know that a good, the good sleep habits are learned and you have to, may have to teach them to your baby. There are a number of books that are good guidelines for this. Solve Your Child's Sleep Problem by Richard Ferber, F-E-R-B-E-R-M-D, is especially useful. So those of us that are older folks, well, the amount of sleep we need does not decrease with age, but the ability to sleep well does. Many older adults face particular sleep challenges. For one thing, many seniors don't realize that their body rhythms shift as they age. As we get older, we feel the urge to retire sooner and wake earlier. Unfortunately, many people fight this urge. They stay up late, as they always did, 
but they wake up earlier. This creates a state of chronic sleep deprivation and takes its toll on health. In addition, many older adults don't sleep as deeply as they once did, waking up more often during the night. This, too, can make seniors feel less rested and refreshed. In addition to the tips listed in how to get a good night's sleep, the following conditions may affect sleep. Hot flashes during menopause, frequent urination from an enlarged prostate, carpal tunnel syndrome or restless leg syndrome, and chronic pain. Keep in mind that untreated depression as well as high blood pressure and heart disease can all encourage insomnia. Consult with your doctor if you think you could be suffering from any of these conditions. And I think we're going to stop there. Um, tomorrow I'll get into how to get a good night's sleep with several bullet points on how to <coughs> how to specifically do that. This is Susan Mann from Portland, Oregon, signing out for today, which is March 2nd, 2023. At the top of the hour, if you scoot over to Facebook One Team Global Live, one of our leaders will be sharing information on how to build a new skin business. And with that, I'm going to take a soft mute, and I welcome any thoughts or comments you may have. Hopefully you found that a benefit to you. I know that when I go back and review it periodically, it always helps me to remember that those sleep habits are important. With that being said, I'm going to take this off of the recording, and I hope you all have a great day.